down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shaco Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlack. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today, it's a special podcast. I've got my friend Kristen Peak of Yahoo Sports on the show. You can find her at Yahoo Sports. Also, listen to her podcast on the clock. You can also find it on YouTube. Kristen, thanks for joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Like, like this is, I know the NBA finals are going on, but to me, it's draft season. Yes. And, uh, you know, we're a little over two weeks away. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited. This is like my favorite time of the year. Yeah. It's like Christmas. <laughs> it is. It's, it's like Christmas in that there are surprises almost every day. There are like yes. lots of rumors that and you have to sift through them. Is this is true. Is this not true? And one of them is Bilal Kulabali. Am I saying yes. it right? Uh, Bilal, Bilal, uh, Kulabali. Yes, you said okay. the last name correctly. Okay, yes. good. So Jonathan Wasserman said last week that he has a promise in the lottery. I believe it. So, and when the word promise is said... Many people think first, Thunder. Okay. And the Thunder have a pick in the lottery. Do you not think so? What do you, what do you? I, I don't, I know. Uh, okay. If there is a team that holds their cards close to their chest, nobody yes. holds their cards closer than Sam Presti. Agreed. So even if Bilal did have a promise, I, I don't think it came straight from the mouth of Sam Presti or anybody in that organization, I could understand, look, we really like you. If you're there, we might be willing or we might be targeting you. Um, I could see those conversations not necessarily happening with Bilal right now because he's in the middle of the playoffs, but with his agents Mm -hmm. who, by the way, he shares an agent with Victor Wimbanyama. So I don't like when I hear the word promise, I know teams, are are thought to throw that out there yeah i don't know if the thunder are one of those teams that say hey we're gonna promise you this yeah they could say we really like you we might be you might be on a short list of players we're targeting but um and maybe that is you know interpreted as a good sign and a and a promise Mm -hmm. i guess yeah I tend to be very skeptical about any reports that involve the thunder around this time of year because I almost think that they want people to believe things that are not true exactly. <laughs> about, about what they want in the NBA draft. Uh, there's lots of evidence of that in the past of people thought that they were for sure going to draft certain players. And then, I mean, barely anybody thought Josh Giddy was going to the Thunder at six a couple of years ago. Yes. You know, James Booknight was the guy that everyone was just kind of penciling him in. Right. And that was not the guy. So uh, I would even say Jalen Williams last year. Yeah, definitely. That was a surprise. That was. I think it was a surprise to Jalen too. I spoke to him the day before the draft Mm -hmm. last year. I went to this event, and you know he was he was there at the same event. It was it was like a press event, and it was uh, Paolo Bencaro, Chet Holgram, Jane Hardy was there. It was the clutch thing. Yeah. And then um, Jalen was there, just like Jalen Williams was here, just hanging out. So I said, "How are you feeling? Head in tomorrow?" And he goes. Oh, I'm more worried about um, if my finals went through and and I'm cleared to graduate. I was like, bro, you're about to like be an NBA player. But I said, I was like, do you have any idea where you're going? And he goes, I mean, I think somewhere in the first round. Like he had no clue. He had no idea that he was going to be drafted so high. Yeah, that he's going to be a lottery pick. Yeah, exactly. Um, You get to know these players pretty well. I think that's one edge that you have over a lot of people. Tell us what you know about the guys that are on the Thunder. Like, you have any fun stories about just interactions? Because I mean, these are a lot of really good guys, like easy to interact with guys. Um, 
We got any stories about any of these fellas? You know, what's so funny is um, I saw Josh Giddy at uh, All-Star Weekend mm -hmm. and he came by to do an interview. And and yep. when I first got to know Josh, it was like, I mean, I, I lived in Australia. I lived in Sydney for two years. So cool. immediately, you know, we connected on that. And and I was like, oh, have you have you had to teach any of your um, teammates some slang, some Aussie slang, like yeah. Brecky, Sunny, how you going? Like that sort of thing. And and he's just like, yeah, yeah, a little. So then his agent is there with him this time around in Salt Lake City. And and me and me and Giddy are just chopping it up. But I was like, oh, don't you miss chicken salt and like just the chicken shop at the end of the road? And Eddie goes, and then his agent goes, he's like, hang on. He goes, what do you do? Nobody just talks about like nobody in America just says stuff like that. Yeah. And, oh, I lived, I lived in the eastern suburbs in Sydney for a couple of years, you know, about 10 years ago. And he goes, where'd you, where'd you live? Whereabouts in the Eastern suburbs? And I said, Oh, um, Bellevue Hill off Biriga road. Turns out me and his agent lived like four houses down no from way. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Josh was just sitting there and he's just like, he goes, he's like, he's like, wow, KP, you really know everyone. And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't know that I knew yeah. this about your agent, but <laughs> it's like little, little intricacies like that. I remember, um, <laughs> Chet's dad once showed me a photo of him and Jalen Suggs, who um, obviously are really close, yep. being from the same area in Minnesota. Yep. Mm -hmm. But uh, they sh he showed me a photo of Jalen and Chet in fifth grade, and they were the same exact height. Wow, that is bizarre. No, I know. And then Chet shot up. Yeah, yeah. That and is like, kind of crazy. That's cool. and then the fact that yeah. like. Chet, Jalen, AZ Fudd, and Paige Beckers, AZ and AZ yep. and Paige stars at UConn yep. are like this quad of like best friends. I mean, I remember seeing a video and they're like playing Uno and AZ's telling Chet to shut up as she's like trying to explain the different rules that they're doing. Like it's just, it's little like it's little moments like that that I see over the years and yeah. I see the relationships develop that I think is like a great glimpse as to who these players are off the court. Yeah. And it, it humanizes them for fans. Oh yeah. That's one of my favorite things that you do is humanize these guys. Not, yeah. not everybody's very good at it, but I think that you've through the years have been really good at that. Um, well, yeah, they see me in the gym from the time they're 14, 15 I was gonna and say, all the way to the NBA draft. And yeah. it's just like, that's, I mean, I like with Zion Williamson, I remember being in South Carolina in a small gym, like a back gym with no AC when he was 15 <laughs> years old. And it's just like nobody else is here except yep. me, my dumbass, and like two other, <laughs> you know, like basketball people that have no life and like are like, yeah, we'll come see this kid. Well, they remember the you from, from a young age. Oh, like, oh yeah. Like on yeah. draft night, Zion's mom and stepdad they said hey we really appreciate you being here i'm like what are you talking about this is your night like <laughs> yeah. what do you mean me that being rules. here like that's oh, awesome. you've been there from the beginning and i'm like okay yeah but like please just enjoy yeah i'm happy to be here too but like this is y'all's night please yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh tell us what your expectations for chet are going into what is year one, but is really year two. Right. Um, okay. Can I just say like my favorite budding rivalry is happening? Yeah. And that's San Antonio versus OKC. Yeah. With Chet versus Victor. And especially, especially if OKC takes Bilal Koulibaly at 12, because yeah. then you got an added component to that where it's like, okay, We've got your old teammate that you may or may not win a pro A championship with, but right. you definitely made the finals for the first time in in uh, the history of that program. Um, so you got that component to it. You have the U19s where, you know, Victor was by far the better prospect on the court playing yep. two years younger, mm -hmm. but he fouled out in the fourth and Chet got the win and got the MVP because of the win. Yep. Um, and, and Chet's a little salty. I'll tell you why. Because I last year... Uh, I asked him, we're doing a pre-draft interview. And I said, I'm, a I'm asking him like, oh, you're being so secretive who you're working out with. This feels like recruiting again, all over, blah, blah. blah. Then I said, okay, um, there's a player coming up next year that I know you know and that you've played against. What is your scouting report on Victor Wimbanyama and what makes him special? And Chet goes, I'm not telling you what his scouting report is. I'm going to have to play him. 
in a year? Why would I tell you what he's good at? I'm not, I'm not revealing that. And I'm like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> it was like, so it was just like a fun little question. Like, oh, what's his scouting report? His eight foot wingspan. Ugh. But the fact that they're that Chet sat out this whole year, yeah, that he too is now going to be up for all the rookie awards that Victor is up for. Yeah, I mean that fa- they're they're two. Uh, I mean, anomalies in terms of the game, mm-hmm. and we don't necessarily even know what Chet's going to be this year, but to see the two of them kind of come up in the NBA together is going to be fantastic and a lot of fun, yeah. pending if they both stay healthy. Yep. Yeah, I think the NBA would be pretty foolish to not have that be one of their marquee <laughs> matchups within the first week Absolutely. of the NBA starting. Like, we yes. got to have Chet versus Wimby yes. there somehow. Um, okay, tell us a more about Bilal Koulibaly's game. Like why he's rising, what's going on here? Several weeks ago, it was like you heard his name at maybe first fringe, round, yeah. fringe first round. It's like, okay, that's cool. You know, Thunder have the 37th pick. Like maybe he could be there. And it's like, no, like he's definitely not going to be there. Right. I know. It's so funny because I've done a few of the broadcasts on the NBA app doing yeah. color commentary with Kevin Dana. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually doing the first game of the finals this Saturday as oh, well. Oh, cool. But, yeah. um, but Kevin, I remember Kevin asking me in the middle of, or in the you know beginning of the season because remember, Bilal was there in October when it was the Victor Scoot show and yep. nobody paid any attention. Nothing. He yeah. disappeared. He didn't log a lot of minutes. I mean, no one really knew who he was except maybe the NBA scouts who saw him uh, play. Like he played, he he had twenty five points when Sierra Canyon came over to France. Um, and played the U18 team. Mm-hmm. And he was he was pretty electric there. But mind you, that's playing against high school players. That wasn't necessarily what they what we were seeing in the pro A division. So with Belial, it was like it was it was like a slow, it was like it's it, it's like when you throw meat in a crock pot and it just marinates over yeah. time. Oh yeah. You know, it gets better with time. That's what happened with him. And I remember uh uh, Vincent Collet, he said, he said, we've just had to be patient. We've had to be patient with him. We've, he's had to learn to adjust to it. And it's like, once the regular season ended and the playoffs started, I remember that first game against Cholet, like he was a completely different player, you know, coming in from the weak side rebound, using his seven foot three wingspan and athleticism to get those put back dunks. He's now like, added that to his bag. Like it's something normal he's been doing all season. Mm. Uh, newsflash it is not. <laughs> so the fact that he's just like, he's growing confidently as a player. He's only 18 years old. He's one of the youngest players in this draft yeah. class. And you know, what do NBA teams? I mean, I, I don't know any NBA team that loves more than uh, upside. They, they prioritize upside and youth. Mm-hmm. You know, because they want to get their hands on them and mold them into their program and and get their weight training staff with them, get get um you know their system kind of ingrained in their head and and get rid no. of those bad habits that a lot of young players have coming into the league. So that's why we're seeing Bilal Kolobali rise. I mean, this is a kid. He averaged five points and three rebounds in the regular season. Yeah. And last year he was the high scorer, or last year, last night, yesterday to go to the finals he's the high scorer for the Mets 92 I think it was 16 points four assists and two steals um instrumental in that two point win when kind of Victor was struggling from the field yeah is there like a comp or can you just kind of outline oh man a comp I I haven't even gosh what would his comp be um that's a good question like I think I think in person he is longer than you expect. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you look at the draft class last year for OKC, it's very evident (laughs) that Sam Presti and his staff uh, value long, versatile players with upside that can be plugged and played, plugged and placed alongside Josh Giddy and Shea Mm -hmm. and that are uh, menaces on defense, which Bilal kind of fits that mold. Um, and gosh, what is this cop? I'm gonna have to think about this. I might have to get back to you on that. Uh, Yanni in the chat <laughs> says Mikel Bridges. Maybe I like, yeah, I could see the ceiling being Mikel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of similarities. Like that kind of wing, I guess. Yeah. Not necessarily like that 
I mean, Mikael Bridges would be unbelievable. <laughs> like, that'd right. be an unbelievable right. get at 12. But, right. like, that kind of, like, complementary wing. Yes. Is that kind of what we're looking at? With yes. Him? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, you could see why teams would be interested in players like that. Like, those, some of, those are some of the most valuable pieces. Uh, what's his passing game like and what's his like decision making game like because okay that, that's that's that, where the youth comes in because okay. there are times where he is a little turnover prone it's not i mean you're not like chewing your fingernails watching this kid play thinking mm-hmm. like okay he's gonna dribble for 15 seconds before he makes a bad pass or anything okay. like that but mm-hmm. there are some i mean just simple mistakes like he he gets ahead of himself especially in transition in the in the not the transition where it's like they have the advantage, but when they're pushing the ball up and he might force the pass when he doesn't necessarily have to. Mm-hmm. So it's like little things that you see in youth a lot, but nothing like blaring where it's like, okay, he's a bad decision maker. He's a, he's a better catch and shoot shooter, mm-hmm. like at the from three point range than he is uh, off the dribble. Okay. So that's another thing to kind of watch for and in terms of his development especially in the pick and roll situation where if he has the ball in his hands, he's probably not looking to shoot off that option and more looking to pass. And I think, you know, the, the other thing about Koulibaly that's very appealing to Thunder fans is like, you know, you could, you could just swap out Chet with Victor and seeing their chemistry and what we're seeing over in France and knowing that Chet, I mean, he's not Victor Wimbanyama, but obviously he's that versatile center slash wing that um that we're seeing from victor and so you're you're thinking okay he already koulibaly already knows how to play with a player similar to chet it makes sense to kind of plug him into a similar situation Mm -hmm. yeah and the thunder have such a great developmental system and they have a coach that just like breathes development all the time and so bringing a guy like that that has a higher ceiling makes some sense rather than going for somebody that's maybe more ready-made with a lower ceiling. So I right. I don't know what I believe about any of this because I just don't <laughs> know what I believe about anything reported about the Thunder in the draft just right. because there's n- nobody talking. Um, but we'll see. He's an interesting prospect that's been kind of thrown in the middle. He of is all the these buzziest prospect oh, yeah. right now in the draft, yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, okay, we're going to do a draft battle. I did this with Coach Spins on the OKC Dream Team show. So if you want to listen to that, you can go to our Patreon page. But Chris and I are going to do this today. It's draft battles. Draft battle number one. Amen and Asar Thompson. So the rules are... Oh, my gosh. Okay. Not in a vacuum, but for the Thunder. For this Thunder team, who would you rather have? Amen or Asar Thompson? Asar. Okay. For the Thunder, okay. for sure. Tell me and why. I'll tell you why. He's more of a plug and play in the wing because you got to remember, like, these two have grown up their entire lives playing w- with it, with each other. I mean, they were on separate teams their first season at OTE, but then, you know, rejoined for their last season before they're going to go their separate ways in the NBA. But uh, Amen has always been the primary ball handler. He's always been the point. Asar has been the complementary piece. Yep. And so that's why, you know, you see on the draft board, it's like, team specifically are favoring a men because of his playmaking ability and his high IQ, just reading the different defenses. But Asar, I mean, has showed improvement in his three-point jump shot. He is, I think, the best chase down blocker and guard in this class. I mean, and it's so funny. I asked, I asked both of them. I was over in Serbia when they were playing um, in Belgrade this mm-hmm. past September for their Euro trip. And I asked both of them, I was like, like, sorry, you are so you are the best chase down blocker I've seen guard wise in this class. And I said, Amen, how come you don't do that? And he goes, Because I I don't want to jump and not know where I'm not coming down. Like you go up, there's no guarantee that you're gonna come down the way that you want to. And yeah. he goes, he's like, he's like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And Asar <laughs> goes, he's like, Your timing's off, bro. Like you just don't know how to do it. Like, don't make an excuse that you're you're worried about your safety. You just don't know yeah. how to do it. And there was this like oh, brother awesome. rivalry, but yeah. um, I mean, they are so they are so similar. Like I remember an NBA scout said to me, I'm like, who do you like better, a men or a sar? And he goes, I can't tell the difference, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how similar they are. And I think they're both going to surprise a lot of people in the league. I think. Everybody is, oh, Victor, 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 Victor. Oh, Scoot Henderson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Victor Scoot, Victor Scoot. And the twins are just sitting there like, 
we're good. Yeah. We're we're ready to like be all stars and prove everyone wrong. So I'm I'm big fans of both their games. But Asar would fit better. Yeah. For the Thunder. You think they both have all star upside? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Draft battle number two. <laughs> Jarris Walker versus Taylor Hendricks. Ooh. This is a, Taylor this... Hendricks. Taylor Hendricks. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because we're going based off what I just said uh, of, of what the organization did last year. Plug and play versatile wings that can play defense uh, and play alongside your two budding backcourt stars. Yeah. Okay. But I do love, I love Jarris and he's has the most NBA ready body in this. Yeah. He's a unit. He is a unit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you love about Hendrix? I love that. Like he's, he's one of those players again, that we didn't hear a lot about until about midway through the college season. Mm-hmm. And once in, and there's one of two things that usually happens when that, when you start to get all that attention, you either buckle and you kind of like, Oh, you're still there, but and we see the upside, but oh, we're not really sure what he's going to be as, as a pro. Or you rise to the occasion and you completely dominate. And look, I understand that UCF is not a power five conference, right? but it should not take away about what he was able to do there in terms of like his three-point shooting, his mechanics, his decision-making, not only that, but his defense. Like he's one of the best rebounders, you know, with his size and the way he just like uses his body strategically not trying to like bully his way in yeah he he's very he's uh he has a natural feel for you know where the flow of the defense and and where the ball is going to go and he puts himself in a favorable position to get the rebound yeah and just the shooting that's where that's where i'm like i i can see how he'd fit in now my my quibble with taylor hendricks has always been the thunder they like size for position but they also like guys that can make decisions with the ball. What do you think about his ability to make decisions with the ball? I haven't seen enough of it because that was not the system that he was put in place at UCF. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. also in high school, he was playing alongside Dylan Mitchell and Bryce Sensabaugh, who yeah. you know kind of overshadowed him in terms of yeah. you know not only uh, ball touches and possessions, which is why everybody in the high school scene kind of overlooked him because mm-hmm. he didn't get a lot of touches yeah. and just kind of like you know, sat back with his, he, he's a twin too. He is a twin brother. Oh, um, does he play? Yeah. Yeah. He was at UCF as well. Okay. Um, yeah. so, uh, that's why, like I'm an identical twin. So like oh, this are? draft yeah. specifically is like, oh my gosh, we got a men in a star. We've got Taylor and his brother. I'm like, I'm all about this draft. That's Just, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you getting any twin hijinks growing up? Of course, okay, get, of course. Give me, one, me, give me your best twin story. The best, the best one. So, um, uh, shocker to no one, my sister is not in basketball. She <sighs> was actually a very good student and a biology teacher after all was said and done. Now she's like a stay-at-home mom with four kids. Uh-huh. Uh, I have a dog, Gary, and <laughs> I live and breathe basketball. We're completely opposite, <laughs> complete opposite. So in high school... I used to, I did this twice. Like she was, she's so nice. She's super, super nice and super shy. And when she wanted to break up with her boyfriend, she didn't know how to do it. Like she would just let it drag on. So I was like, Lisa, okay, I got this. And so uh, the first guy, his name was Blake. Uh And he's like, oh, let's go to the movies. I was like, okay, come, come pick me up. And it was super dark outside. So I get in the car and and he's like, oh, you seem different. I was like, oh, there's something really out that I want to tell you before we go to the movies. I was like, I don't think this is going to work out anymore. <laughs> and then I just got out of the car and went in the house. And I was like, it's done. It's done. You that, broke up with him. That is an amazing thing to have in your back pocket as a teenager. Is just like oh, your yeah. twin to break up. <laughs> you know what else we do? We still do this to this day. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, she has season passes to Disneyland. Yeah. And, you know. If I go with her family, I don't want to pay 160 bucks. No way. So she goes in with the family. Her husband comes out, gets stamped with her ID and pass. And then I walk in and now they have to do the thumb thing. Yeah. And so the people at the turnstile, I'm like doing the thumb and they're like, and I was like, well, this is clearly me. And they're like, yeah, that is clearly you. And then they just let me in. That (laughs) rules. That is amazing. God, I want a twin so bad now. (laughs) Feel left out of the twin story. No, that's awesome. That's so cool. 
Um, <laughs> when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash dunk. That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, let's go to draft battle number three. Okay. Cam Whitmore versus Grady Dick. <sighs> oh my gosh. Okay, this might be controversial. I, I'm going to say Cam Whitmore. Okay. Only because at that, at 12, if Cam Whitmore is still there, <laughs> it it now becomes we take best available prospect. Just like value play for the yes. Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he's a bigger guard. Again, you can plug him in anywhere around the perimeter, and he's a great facilitator. Talk me into Cam Whitmore as a Thunder guy. I have not been sold on him as a Thunder guy, but talk me talk me into him. Just talk me into the player, and then we can talk about how he'd fit on the Thunder. Okay, well, I would just like to scrap his entire year at Villanova. Okay. I think he went in for Jay Wright, and then when he found out Jay was retiring, then he's like, well, might as well just stay and make this work. It didn't work. They lost a lot of games. He had an injury. But prior to that, I don't know if you watched any of the McDonald's All-American game or also when he was with the U18 um, FIBA America team. They went down to Mexico and he was playing with Anthony Black, Khalil Ware, Gigi Jackson was on that team. Who mm -hmm. are the other guards? Like, I think Keontae George was on that team. And he was the high scorer every single game. He won the MVP. He completely dominated every aspect of the game, whether that he, he, because he, mind you, like, he doesn't need the ball in his hands to score and be productive or not to score. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to be productive offensively. Mm -hmm. um, he likes to be that guard that, you know, has control and kind of turn the corner and make decisions on himself, whether that's a mid-range game, mid-range game or dumping it to, you know, someone else when the defensive claps. But um, I saw a completely different player that his game would translate more prior to his year at Villanova and then Villanova, we just saw glimpses of it. Okay. 
I like that because when I watched the Villanova stuff, I was there's a lot of things I was like, yeah, I just don't know that this would work. In right. OKC. I would scrap Villanova. Okay. That's a very interesting perspective. Yes. Draft battle number four. Cason <laughs> Wallace versus Anthony Black. Anthony Black. Okay. This I I'm an, I've been an Anthony Black guy since day one, since I watched him play his first couple games at Arkansas. Yes. I think he's awesome. Please talk to me about Anthony Black. I don't I can't believe more people aren't talking about him as a passer and you know you go back and you watch some of his games and like I think he was one of the best passers in college basketball. Yeah. And not only that but defensively I mean his length and the way he can he can get out and and contest shots not necessarily he's not blocking a lot of them but he's altering a lot of shots on defensively so you've got that length you've got that size you've got that court vision you've got the playmaking He's unselfish. He's a great teammate. The only thing he's lacking is his outside shooting, which I'm not even worried about because he loves to stay in the gym. He's a hard worker, and he is going to have a very long career in the NBA. Yeah, I'm a big Anthony Black fan too. I think he fits he's me. not going to be there at 12. I think he. I think he's off the board at six. Is he worth? Oh man, is he worth trading up for? No. Okay. Why is that? Just because, I mean, you look at this draft, um, especially particularly towards the top of the lottery and even the mid lottery, mm -hmm. and there are a lot of guards and a lot of interchangeable, you know, guards either at that one or two position that have mm -hmm. skill and length and size. And so this isn't like a Scoot Henderson sort of situation where if like you really, really want Scoot, then you're going to have to make a move to trade up for him because he is not going to be there past three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who... If you're OKC, is there a player that you would be willing to trade up for? I don't think they need to. Okay. I think it's more just like looking for the pieces to complement what they're already building there. Mind mm -hmm. you, they can, if they really do want Anthony Black, they have, what, 30-some-odd trade or picks in their bag? They have bag. four next year is kind of why I think that it's – it's possible is that they have up, it is to, possible. Up, up to four next year. And right now they have one roster spot, you know, and they're right. And they like a lot of the guys that they have. And so creating four roster spots will be really difficult. Um, right. But I mean, they might be holding that. And like, this is, this is kind of like an unfair thing for other teams mm -hmm. because, you know, you can say, Oh, we have four picks next year. Well, next year's draft is kind of falls off a little bit and everyone knows that all the teams know it. So if you're Orlando sitting at six, and they really like AB and you're and you're um Sam Presti and OKC and you're like, okay, we're gonna throw in this, this, and this, and this player, and then all these picks for the sixth position. It's gonna be a hard sell. Would they do it? Possibly, but I mean, just looking at next year and what's available. I mean, I was at Hoop Summit, I'm sitting there. Usually I get at least one overall, like, okay, this kid's gonna be the number one pick in the future draft. I asked several NBA scouts, I'm like, hey, if you guys had the number one pick next year, who would you take? And the guys, it's uh, Matas Brazelis, who's going to the G League Ignite. Mm -hmm. He did nothing at McDonald's mm -hmm. except had an awesome dunk, the best dunk in the dunk contest. Um, it's also Thierry Dunlin, who is also, he's from Africa. He's also going to the G League Ignite. I think Trevin Brazel from Arkansas could be up there, but there's no wow. clear cut number one player. So everyone's yeah. like, oh, yeah, you know, so are, is that are, is it worth taking four picks for a draft that has a lot of question marks throughout the entire the entire way? I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Draft battle number five, <laughs> Jordan Hawkins versus Kobe Bufkin. Ooh, Jordan Hawkins. Okay. Uh, that kid does has never seen a shot he doesn't like. He is a shooter shooter. And I talked to a few college coaches just in background on Jordan. And they said the way he alters the game, the best that he, the weight, the most effective way that he alters the game and why UConn was so successful is he moves so well off the ball that it, distracts the defense where you always have to have at least one or two people. Okay. Where is he? Where is he? Because if he gets a split second, he's letting that fly. So 
having that attention on one player, a weapon specifically where it's like, okay, we got to know where Hawkins is. We got to know. And then that opens up the spacing for other players to make plays is super valuable. And, you know, he would fit right in. Yeah. Thoughts on his defense and how that will translate. Um, I mean, he's not like a great defender, but he's also not like horrible. He doesn't have, there are some other guards, um, with length and size who can shoot in this draft. I won't name them specifically, but, uh, they have like zero lateral quickness or athleticism. So mm -hmm. I would say that's like a glaring problem. I don't see that with Jordan. Like when I stop and actually, does he get beat sometimes? Yes. Is he smaller at the guard position? Yes. But it's, it doesn't trouble me that much. Yeah. I don't know. And the Thunder are going to have to address shooting at some point, whether that be through the draft yes. or through trade or free agency. You know, they picked up Isaiah Joe in free agency right before the season last October, and he's kind of filled a, a similar role to what Hawkins could be. But, you know, if you have all these playmakers, you really can never have enough right. shooters around them. Right. So, yeah, I think he's super interesting. I'm a big Buffkin guy, though. I, I love Kobe, too. What do you know I'm about him fan. personally? So, Kobe... Um, so he came in with Frankie Collins, who is now at Arizona State. Mm -hmm. um, the two of them, you know, kind of had, they, they, they both struggled um, their freshman year, didn't see a lot of playing time. Yeah. Um, and then when Frankie decided to leave, that's kind of when, you know, Kobe felt like, okay, this is now my time. Like I need to show that I can have the ball in my hands. I can make plays. And, and I really credit, like I credit a lot of Jet Howard's success to Kobe and the way he was able to get on the ball, you know, in different situations and different scenarios. So when you have a player like that, who's still young and makes other players around them better, um, to me, that's like, I mean, it's a dream for yeah. any sort of NBA franchise or, or head coach. Um, I mean, off the court, he's so... No, I won't. I won't even go into that. He's he's a good kid. He's a good kid. Okay. Okay. I'm so <laughs> I'm curious like, about what yeah. you're gonna say now. I, he's he's a great kid. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you offline. Okay. <laughs> Next draft battle: Bilal Kulabali, who we've already yeah. talked about a lot, and Rayon Rupert. I don't know a lot about Rayon other than like he has a lot of upside. Um, yeah. You know, it's so funny with the NBL guys is like, I don't, I don't see a lot of them play like with, with Rayan, like it's, I haven't seen enough growth, but they also don't play a ton of games over there. And so yeah. it's hard to kind of get a feel for like, who did, who did the Thunder take last year from the end or um, the New Zealand kid? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I wasn't super high on him then. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I understand it's like a draft and stash situation and, with Ray and I think that's good. It's going to be the same thing, but uh, I take Kulabali every single time. Okay. Next draft battle: Leonard Miller versus Derek Lively. Uh, I was waiting for for you to bring up Derek's name. Yeah. I I like Derek, and I've heard his name with the Thunder, just little chirpings. Yeah. Um. I mean, if look. I don't think, again, like scrap the season you saw of Cam Whitmore at Villanova. I would say the exact same thing about Derek Lively at Duke. Okay. I thought the system did not cater to him. I thought playing alongside Kyle Filipowski hurt him in the long run. I thought Jeremy Roach trying to make every single play, every single possession and not allowing him to feel comfortable in any sort of pick and pop situation um really hurt him and it hurt his development as a player and now we're seeing like at his pro day for clutch sports he shot the ball extremely well from three-point line he's showing more of a motor um he's obviously a, a great rim protector and rebounder um so i think that that shows upside and and you know development just in that small time from playing at duke to now and how much improvement he's made has really really helped his draft stock and i could see him sliding alongside, you know, Chet and also um who's the other guy you guys have? Pokushevsky. Poku, yeah. Yeah, Poku. Mm -hmm. I mean, like 
I love that. I love that the Thunder are there's there's no rule book. They're like, oh, we yeah. are just going to do whatever we want. And if we feel like this person is going to positively impact our program and help us win games and they they have the right the right attitude, they're good in the locker room and yeah. you know, they they gel with what we're trying to do here and buy into it, then come on board. We don't mm -hmm. care if he's seven foot two and we already have two of those. Yep. Like what are you going to bring differently? Okay, uh, you showed improvement in three-point jump shot. Once you get your confidence up, is that something that's going to be in your bag and something that you can add to? Great. Like, I, there's like no, it's like the Wild Wild West. There is no rules yeah. with the Thunder. And yeah. I kind of love it. So I would take Derek. Okay. What do you think about Leonard Miller? I I think, I, I think he's, I mean, obviously he's more of a wing. Yeah. And um, I thought he was, solid in the G league. Um, but I also think like you, like I mentioned with Kobe Bufkin and how, you know, he helped jet Howard and become you know, probably a first round draft pick. I would say scoot Henderson has done the same favorable thing for Leonard Miller. Now I know scoot had his injuries and then he shut it down in March, but in that time frame, the two of them did play on the court together. I mean, Leonard, really came alive you know averaging i think a double double and um and, you know just has that like length and and uh, athleticism that you want in that wing position yeah yeah i think he is interesting too i just there's just a lot of other players that i that i think i like better at for the yes. thunder at 12. yes um okay draft battle number eight <laughs> maxwell lewis versus city sissoko Ooh, these are different I just spent a week, I, or before the draft combine, I spent a week in Vegas with Max at okay. Impact yeah. with his trainer, Joe Abunasar. Cool. And my one thing, again, that was, you know, I saw Max a few times in person um, during the season at Pepperdine. Pepperdine was horrible. They only won yeah. nine games. Yeah. And so a lot has to be said, okay, if you are a lottery pick, if you're a first-round pick, why did you guys only win nine games? Like, the hell? Yeah. You know, so I know he's going to have to answer to that when team, when he interviews with teams, but my biggest knock on him during the season was like, Oh my gosh, he's, he's undersized. Mind you, like he's too skinny. He's too little. He's too little. And you saw that, like he was getting pushed around and yeah. you know, every time he tried to maneuver to the basket, like he was getting knocked around. I walk into impact and I'm like, Oh my God, he had added 14 pounds of muscle. Wow. He looked great. I mean, he's one of the best shooters in this draft class as a guard position. I'd put him right behind probably Jordan mm -hmm. Hawkins as like um as like a shooter with the ball in his hands. And, you know, like defensively, he was non-existent at Pepperdine. And I understand that. But in the three-on-three -three battles that I saw, like he was getting deflections. He was using his, what is he? He's got a 7-1 wingspan. Yeah. So he's got that length. So it might just be one of those situations at Pepperdine where it was just a bad fit and there was no room for growth, whether that was from the coaching staff, you know, kind of putting him in like a bubble or, or what, but the fact that he's working out every day with Joe Bunasar, who has been credited for, you know, training Tyrese Halliburton, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Kyle Lowry, um, most recently, Josh Green, Zaire Williams, um, who and Blake Wesley, who was drafted by the Spurs last year. I mean, yep. it's not easy training with Joe and the fact that Max is there doing it. Like I, I give him props. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's really interesting to me. It's just like a multi-skilled guy. The Thunder would probably have to, you think he's late first round? I think his draft range is probably 18 to 24. Okay. Yeah. So mid first round, you'd have yeah. to get up to get him, but I, I think he would fit offensively what the Thunder want to do. I yeah, think he could fit in really well. Uh, okay, last one. Draft battle number nine. <laughs> Brand Brandon Pajemski versus Julian Strother. Ooh. <laughs> okay, I hadn't seen a lot of Brandon um, until the NBA draft combine, and that dude is a bucket. Yeah, but I will give the nod to Julian Strother because um, I think he's more of a natural scorer. He's a little bit bigger and, you know, his time at Gonzaga, um, I think his mindset playing for coach few is kind of built for the NBA Yeah, and not a knock to break. Although it would be fun to see him and Jalen. I know. I know. I, I, there's fun. like, there's that dynamic. There's also like the dynamic that I think 
I mean, the Thunder love that Gonzaga program too. Right. And so that's why I kind of picked these two. It's like, okay, there's like some, some weird like Thunder ties to both these guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, do you know I do that too? Like I'm always, I always like, I want, <laughs> I want certain players to be reunited just for like, personal reasons like oh yeah, yeah. They, they were AU teammates and remember that tournament and oh that was so fun or remember at USA basketball when they did that like I just have this because this mean, is the so story that Jalen games. Williams helped recruit him to Santa Clara like helped get him to Santa Clara really I didn't know that yeah the, like the, I guess the story was that he was trying to find a, a place to land and that J-Dub was like yeah you come here like you can get better like you can, yeah. you can, you can get shots here. Like you can get better. Right. So I know. Well, he said in his like media availability at the combine. And I said, I was like, he's, he told, he told all of us, I think there were like four of us there. He said, you know, I've been talking to Jalen this entire time. Like he yeah. told me what to expect going through this process. And then he said, and he's like, you know, I just want to come here and I want history to repeat itself and I'm ready to be a lottery pick too. And I'm like, oh, let's just pump the brakes. <laughs> pump the brakes a little bit. But like when I had to write a story about like who helped themselves the most, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to take that little quote out of the story. <laughs> no one, no need to like, no need to acknowledge that. That's fine. Yeah. But he was great. He he helped himself a lot at the Combine. Yeah. I think he's, he's a super interesting player. Uh, okay. Give me one player in the first round that nobody's talking about that you think has a chance as like some pretty big upside that that isn't getting as much buzz okay guy in the like a projected first who is upside who's not getting a lot of buzz i'm trying to think of like i just i filed a mock last night it should be dropping literally in like minutes oh okay um and i think i had i have uh belial at uh 12 okay and what are the other picks that you guys have so they just have 12 in the first round then they have 37 Oh, I can't even remember who I said 37. Um, oh, oh, you know who I think is going to have a very, very long, productive NBA career? I'm going to give you two players. Okay. One, after watching uh, the, the playoffs, right, and we're seeing the emergence of um, Cody Martin. Yeah. Or K- is it Caleb? Caleb's? Caleb. Yeah. Caleb, yeah. sorry. Oh, twins. Yeah, um, twins. I know how, how productive Caleb's <laughs> been for the heat and he's, and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, this is such an amazing story. And so it got me thinking like, who is going to be Caleb Martin in this draft class? Yeah. And I think it's going to be Jaime Hawkes out oh, of UCLA. I like Jaime Hawkes a lot. I like, I like him as a player. I also like his look. I think yes. there's just so much to like about that guy. Let me tell you something about Jaime. Like yeah. I I've known him and th- this is the craziest part of it. He's not even the best basketball player in his family. His sister, his younger sister, who is also now at UCLA, Uh she was one of the first girl basketball players to dunk in Southern California. And she was a McDonald's All-American. She played for Team USA. And now she's at UCLA. So just get that. Like, he's not even the best player in his family. That's awesome. That is so cool. And so, like, with Jaime, I mean, I would go, I'll just show up, you know, during summer runs in LA and it's like, people will be like, KP, what are you doing here? I'm like, what? I told you, you will never not see me in your career. Like stop asking (laughs) Paul George and Trey Young. Like you will always see me. Any, any NBA run I went to, whether it was at UCLA with Rico Hines, whether it was in Santa Monica at this like little high school, uh, it was like a Catholic high school gym, which is they all play there. I'm like, this is the worst gym I've ever seen in my life. We're in Los <laughs> Angeles. Why are we here? If it's in the Valley or Long Beach, Jaime showed up to every single, like he just, he, he chases competition and he wants to get better. Hmm. So I think he's going to be someone down the road. Be like, Oh, where was Jaime Hawkins drafted? What? 25. Wow. Look at his productive career. And then another guy who I think that a lot of people are just going to kind of like, okay. You know, somebody else can draft him in case something happens is Keontae Johnson. Okay. Just with what, how public and everything that happened with um, his heart condition. Yeah. Um, he's been completely cleared by all three of the doctors that said, no, he's healthy enough to play potentially 82 games a year. But what he did at Kansas State with a brand new team, they brought in 10 new players, a new coach, and he was very instrumental in their sweet 16 run. I think he's going to be 
a very, very successful pro. Yeah. He's probably like mid second round because he's, yeah. he's a little older. He's he's like 22 or 23 now. Yes. Is that right? He's 22. Yeah. Or I think he just had a birthday. I hate that I know all these kids' birthdays. Yeah. I think he just had a birthday. <laughs> he did just have a birthday. Yes. Okay. I know because yeah. I sent him, happy birthday, Key. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What's what's his game like? like? How would he fit in the NBA or like potentially fit with the Thunder? Okay. Well, the one, and this will always, I, I wrote a story about him um, leading into the NCAA tournament. And I talked to Mike White, his head coach at Florida. And this will always stick out to me. And two things that Mike White said, he's like, the way Key is shooting, Keontae, the way he's shooting now at Kansas State, you have to remember when he was told he had to stay off the court, there was one skill set that he honed in on, hmm. and that was shooting. Hmm. And he got to be a much better shooter. And we saw that at Kansas State. I think he shot 40, 42% from three. And also, uh, Mike said, he's like, I remember telling my staff, I said, if Keontae ever plays again, he's going to be a much better player than he was here. And he was. And he walked in to a Kansas State team and said, I I wanna I wanna be a Big 12, you know, not uh player of the year, but he was, I think he was the newcomer of the year for the Big 12. He was on the first team for the Big 12 in one of I think the most competitive conferences in college basketball. Yeah. So everything he said, like, I'm gonna do this, he did it. And there's a certain drive in players that you just you have to have. And I think yeah. he has it. And, you know, sometimes when the money shows up, players change. I don't think he's going to change because, A, his life was almost taken from him. So he's never going to take the game of basketball uh, for granted anymore. And also, two, he could have gotten a $5.5 million payout to never play professional basketball again and just collect the money. Hmm. And instead, he's like, no, I'm going to bet on myself. Yeah, Money doesn't matter to me. I don't care... Like how many kids are going to pass on five plus million dollars? Not a lot to yeah. bet on yourself. That is, yeah. and it wasn't even guaranteed money in terms of like, he could have not even been cleared to play in the NBA. Yeah. And here he is. He's, it's like, it's the most, it's the best story in basketball. That is really cool. I'm a sucker yeah. for a good story. I'm, really I'm going to send, I'm going to send you the story I wrote on him. Send it to me. I'm really, yeah. really glad you brought that up. That's a really cool story. Yeah. Uh, KP, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, go yeah, check, of go check out Kristen. She's got a a mock draft. Is, is it it's, live yet? Let's see. Let's see. Hold on. No, not live. Okay, <laughs> not live. It's yet. gonna be live soon. Maybe it's, maybe, it's coming up. It's as coming. you're listening to this, it may be live. So go check it yes. out at Yahoo Sports. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for joining, Kristen. Hey, anytime. <laughs>